Now, I gave a speech um, at Christina and Gregor's wedding. It was actually the day before the wedding at the rehearsal dinner. And I didn't record it at the time. So I'm going to attempt to repeat the speech here, uh, just so it's there for the record. Um, first of all, welcome to everyone from near and far. Some have travelled thousands of miles to come to this wedding, while others are fortunate and live just round the corner. You'll probably gather as I go on in this speech, I have been given no guidance whatsoever as to what to say, and there are no parameters to work within, and there are no objective criteria by which I can judge my speech. Well, that's not my fault, I'm afraid. I just have to carry on and do something off the top of my head. Well, why am I giving this speech the day before the wedding? Well, I suppose there could be a few reasons. It might be to help Gregor and Christina relax after the stresses of wedding planning. Well, come to think of it, not really Gregor. He doesn't do work or stress. No, no. Um, I'll come back to that later. We could also be here to support and commiserate with Jerry. I mean, when I was a young man, weddings took well, an afternoon. This is going on for three days. And as this wedding eats into his pension funds, we need to sympathise. In fact, I'll have a good cry into my whiskey later on. Because, you know, as a good Scotsman, we just do not like to see money getting spent like water. Now, I'm not renowned for giving funny speeches. Uh, and the audience here are mostly Americans. And there are huge cultural differences. We are effectively divided by a common language. And I'm going to give the first example of that division by a common language. Um, and also illustrate uh, Gregor's supervisory skills. Now, but three years ago, Gregor moved, and Christina moved into a flat in Leith in Edinburgh. And Linda and I went down to help them move. Well, help them move is a little bit wrong. I mean, Gregor supervised. He stood on the sidelines while everybody else did the work, moved the furniture, did all the cleaning. He sort of sat there or propped himself up and did as little as possible, saying that he was just organising everything and he was going to run off and get cups of coffee for us and stuff like this. It's a very handy way of avoiding any work. He's very, very good at that. So, Christina, you have to watch out for that in future. Now, as I said, we were moving him from one flat into another. Now, flat is a four-letter English word. Now, for you Americans who don't understand what it is, you call it an apartment. Why you have to make such a long word for the same thing, I do not know. Flat's nice and short. Four-letter word. And you have an aversion to English four-letter words. I'll give you another example. Lift is a four-letter word that we use in the UK. It's basically a metal box that goes up and down, 
different floors in a building. You call it an elevator. Why extend the word and call it an elevator? In fact, I would say both words don't really describe what this metal box does because it takes people up and down in a building, whereas lift and elevator both suggest it's only an upward movement. Well, I mean, if you're going to change a word and lengthen it, surely you want to be a bit more precise in what the word is all about. But then again, when you look at some of the words that you have changed in your version of the English language, you must have to wonder how stupid some Americans are. Now, I know you Californians always think of yourselves as very superior. I mean, you must look down on, you know, lots of different minorities that you have in the United States. You know, in the UK, we make the Irish the butt of our jokes. You know, they're always they're not quite as bright as the rest of us. And I'm sure you Californians probably look down on Texans or maybe it's the Polish minority or some other minority. Well, whoever is the butt of your jokes, I mean, there must be a reason for it. You must always think of some people as not really understanding things very clearly. So you have changed some of our words to describe exactly what these people need to do. Now, we have a word in the English language called pavement. And at one time or other, you must have called what you know now called sidewalks, pavements. And you changed it. It obviously was because some of the people in your country were so thick they didn't know what to do with pavement. And you had to tell them to walk on the side of a road. Um, yeah, really making it explicit for them. Now, there's another example. You know, we, you know, we ride horses in the UK, uh, just like you do in America, and we call it horse riding. But in America, you've changed it because obviously you must think some of your compatriots are pretty thick. You've actually extended it and called it horseback riding, as if you have to tell them exactly where on the horse to sit. Well, so I just don't know whether you'll get my sense of humour. Um, because, let's face it, culturally we are so different. But I'd better give you an insight into what Christina is getting uh, marrying Gregor. Now, some of you might be surprised to know that, you know, at three years old, Gregor was quite an intelligent child. You could actually sit him down and have a reasonably intelligent conversation. I know that's difficult to believe now. I mean, you rarely get anything out of him other than talking about some sport or other, you know, whether it's football or something else. I mean, football in the British sense, soccer in the US sense. I mean, he'll watch any sport. That's a big problem. I mean, really... Uh, if paint drying was a sport, he'd watch paint dry. I mean, it's, I mean, he watches a lot of your absolutely incredible American sports that no one can understand. I mean, uh, 
baseball, you know, we would call it rounders and a game for girls. I mean, he'll even watch that. Now, until he was about 14, he was a fairly normal child. And of course, then at 14, hormones kick in. Now, he might like us to believe that he was easily led. And looking at some of his friends from that time, you might say, well, yes, they could easily lead him astray. But, no, parents are not stupid. We know exactly the amount of straying that he can do without being led astray. Now, by the time they get to about 16, you know, alcohol and all sorts of things starts to come into play because you know we can legally drink at 18, so that effectively means you know, kids are experimenting at 16. And uh, my wife, Linda, used to sit up and wait for him to come in from parties in a fairly drunken state. Um, I need my sleep. I wasn't going to waste my time sitting up waiting for him to come in. And she would recount tales of him coming in and seeing deer dancing in the street. Oh, I saw Bambi's dancing in the street. Now, Gregor was a fairly happy drunk. Um, but I think uh, one time when he saw deer dancing in the street, when we do actually have deer that live near the house, um, uh, he wasn't quite sure if he was imagining it. But uh, no, he probably wasn't. You know, they tend to come out at three or four in the morning uh, when there's nobody around. They probably got a hell of a fright seeing a drunk like him walk down the street. So when the opportunity came up to send him off to the USA, where they're not legally allowed to drink until 21, we thought, this is the place for him. We will send him off to America uh, at every opportunity, and that will curb his drinking. Well, I think really, I have to say, things didn't work out the way we intended. I mean, he went into fraternity at the end of year one. And I think parents really should have an opportunity to take out a class action against these fraternities for mis-selling. I mean, his fraternity Delta Tau Delta supposed to be all these upstanding young men responsible leaders of the future right young things that only concentrate on working hard and getting good grades but how many DUIs did Gregor get in his time in that fraternity and of course no doubt he said he was led astray by some of that fraternity I don't know, one, two, three, four, probably quite a number. Well, anyway, he survived university and ten years ago he had his first date with Christina. They have managed to survive thousands of miles of separation. Christina even came to Leith and lived there for two years and survived that. Now, I know they're both hardworking and they're both very good in terms of having people skills. It's a winning combination. But Christina is far too easygoing. She needs to stamp her authority on Gregor. I mean, any wife really has to be able to control her husband. She has been far too well brought up by Anna and Jerry. 
Gregor needs a firm hand. Now, we've known Christina for quite some time. She's already part of our family. Um, and it was really interesting the other day when we were showing around their new house that they'd recently moved into. Uh, we're getting a different vocabulary from Christina and Gregor now. It's not just showing us around what the house is. I mean, it's we're now hearing about the good schools that are in walking distance, the play parks for children, and the swimming pools. Yes, they are definitely moving into a different phase of life. Maybe some responsibilities coming their way. Perhaps even considering an addition to the family. But Linda and I are heading back across the Atlantic. And frankly, this job is up to Anna. She has to keep the pressure on. Children before dogs. Children before dogs. And we mean this most sincerely. But in the meantime, a toast to Gregor and Christina. A long and happy life together. Cheers. <laughs>